This list sucks, this list sucks, this list sucks, this list sucks, it sucks. Indeed it does. We are back with Indeed This List Sucks. <laughs> oh, did, did you did, did you hear me say that or were we both just going to say that same thing? No, um, I did kind of hear you say that. But then as I realized that I was going to be talking over you, I got to thinking about how we've been trying to dissect this whole problem of when we have remote <laughs> guests. And I thought I better not contribute to this problem where people are like, Yo, that show was cool, but um, JB, why didn't you ever talk? But then you just said, you know what, YOLO, I'm going to contribute to the problem. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding, buddy. Um, there, there was a little YOLO-y. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome back. I'm JB. I'm Mike. And, and this is This here. List Sucks. <laughs> this is This List Sucks. Indeed it does, right? <laughs> yeah. The show where we talk about things that suck. No. Um, I guess we, we normally wait until we actually start doing this to say this, but since we're on the topic, we're going through Rolling Stones, greatest 500 albums of all time. And we have ventured long and far to finally get to like a genuinely fruitful part of the list. Yes. We've trudged through the shit and we have mm-hmm. made it to the field of roses. Yeah. Can con no ray. I- yes. <laughs> and we're happy to be here. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but before we do that, um, you were getting ready to tell me about all this new music that you've been listening to. <laughs> I did listen to a new album. Um, I didn't listen to the whole thing, but I am certainly going to listen to the rest of it. I listened to about the first half of it, and it was fucking really solid. Have you heard of Big Thief? No. I really hadn't either. Um, they're kind of in the genre, like, indie rock folky kind of stuff which usually is not really my thing you know i'm not really like big on like lumineers and you know bony bear that kind of thing but these guys are fantastic just some gorgeous songwriting um the lead chick that sings she has a really unique voice that i that i kind of was in love with right away and they just put out a new record and i'm gonna get the title of it it's a long interesting title um so I can't. Is remember it an acoustic? Is it an acoustic folksy type of thing? Um, there are elements of that, but it's not like limited to that by any means. Like they are kind of all over the place with how they how they instrumentize it, and um, mm. like t- t- plenty of electric guitars and synthesizers and stuff. It's like it's just like it's like alternative rock or indie rock, I guess, but with folk elements. I wouldn't just characterize it as straight up folk or indie folk, you know. But uh, very very good so far and like I'm, I'm planning to hit the rest of it for sure the album is called dragon new warm mountain i believe in you pretty pretty indie folky title i guess but uh i mean it is pretty folksy i'm gonna be honest with you what was it called again dragon new warm mountain i believe in you but uh one of my students uh recommended it to me and like yeah, knocked it out of the park. Like, the very first song is fantastic. And, like, the very first three songs, I found myself kind of, like, already having them stuck in my head as I was going about my day after that. So, like, check it out for sure. It's very good. Did you find it? Yeah, Apple Music Yeah, Apple Music says that it's cosmically inviting. I mean, that just sounds fucking pleasant. I think that is a good way to put it. Nice. Yeah, I'll check it out. Check it out um, for sure. I drove down... 
I drove down to Texas on Sunday, which means that I only had 14 and a half hours or so to listen to something. <laughs> and um, and I listened to a lot of Joe Bruce's Almost Dead because I'm getting super, super excited about seeing them at Sweetwater 420. So that was probably three hours and 45 minutes worth of listening. But then um, outside of that, I listened to some jazz that our friend, friend of the show, Lee Stamper, has been telling me that I need to listen to for a really, really long time. And it was excellent. Really, really wonderful, good stuff. Uh, What jazz? Jesus, God damn you. I you said it, dude. You knew I was going to ask you. Well, I know. But so Bruno Pernatas and the name of the album is <laughs> this is another really great album name. Those who throw objects at the crocodiles will be asked to refrain from that. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> to refrain from that. Is it new? Yes. Um, uh, 2016. Oh, wow. 2016. Yeah. And Apple Music doesn't even call it jazz. They call it alternative, which I guess is um, actually, I think that's bullshit. I would definitely call it jazz. I would call it like very like modern jazz, if not maybe like almost like a postmodern type of jazz. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Well, that sounds very interesting. I'll have to check it out if for the album title alone. Um, yeah. <laughs> other, other new music that came out, I think. I think the new Trey Anastasio album came out today, if I remember correctly. Came out today. Yeah. Yes. Did you check that out? Did you listen to that? No, I haven't listened to it yet. Yeah, me neither. It's uh, his first solo acoustic album. Oh, yes. What's the name of it? Oh, shit. I think it's Mercy. Mercy. Yeah. Mercy. Yep. So that's cool. That'll be good. Yeah. Yeah. I like Trey acoustic. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's his first. He's had solo albums, but it's his first one that's purely acoustic. Um, there was a new Dolly Parton record just came out. Did you spin that one at all, or no? No, I'm just looking through a list of new new shit, um, like mm. I tend to do. And the new Kanye record, yes. like I mentioned earlier. Yeah, you did mention that. I'll have to. I'll have to check it out. I'll have to see what uh, what kind of nuttiness Kanye's up to nowadays. I don't think Donda 1 was very successful, so don't have a whole lot of hopes for Donda 2. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sometimes sequels can be as good as the original, though. Think about Godfather 1 and Godfather Part 2. Yeah. I've actually never seen those, though, These could so be I'm going to use Star Godfathers. Wars. <laughs> which is crazy i'm probably i can't believe i just said that on a podcast i'm probably gonna get like a bunch of like what the fuck you haven't seen the godfather to tell you the truth i tried to watch the godfather one time when i was on a plane to europe and i was like all right this is the time they have both part one and part two i'm putting them on and i fell asleep right away so <laughs> yeah that is not the correct time to watch those movies <laughs> yeah you gotta watch those you should watch those movies with people that have already seen them so okay. that way you have a better appreciation for what somebody that has already kind of explored those movies a lot loves about them does that make sense yeah i need someone to do that with so 
You, you need a Sherpa for, you need a Godfather Sherpa is what you need. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I need a, yeah. Cause they're really amazing movies. I need like an really ayahuasca shaman, but for Godfather. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't even know. Um, we talked, we've talked the last couple of weeks about some upcoming records cause there are some good, there's good new stuff coming out, but honestly, uh, when it comes to new music, we're getting into these parts of the list where I'm discovering massive holes inside of my record collection. And so I get way more excited about finding some of the stuff that we've been coming across here within the past two months that I didn't know that I really, really want to own. And right. so I'm trying to get them owned. Do you have any of the records from this week's listening on vinyl? Um, <clears throat> Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Do you have Layla? Definitely. Yeah, I have Layla. Do you have Layla? Um, 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 what the hell was that? No, no, I don't know. I don't have Little Richard. I don't have De La Soul. Although I did look into trying to get that De La Soul since it's not available on streaming. Thank you once again, Rolling Stone, for giving me something that I have to fucking watch a YouTube video to listen to. Yeah, I did the That's same the thing. That's the most convenient, wonderful thing of all time. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. it's more fucking De La Soul's fault. Like, why is their shit not on spot? Not on the, their other records are on there. Goddamn Tommy Boy Records. It's, yeah. It's like, it's a label issue. But yeah. supposedly, Always it's going to get straightened out sometime this year. So. Good. Good. Maybe we should have put this one off mm. till then. <laughs> actually no i'm glad that we didn't because whenever it does become available on streaming like i'll download this to my phone this there is definitely go. that's definitely a digital that's definitely a digital ad for me but i'm not gonna pay 500 dollars for the vinyl 500 dollars what the vinyl's going for yes holy shit yep yeah um mm -hmm. cool well should we get into the stuff for this week yeah let's do it let's do I it want to talk about this you want to read 230? Yeah. Um, yeah, I do, but I got to make sure that I can find it. I've, okay, I've got it pulled up if you want me to do it. Or... No, I got okay. it. Okay. okay, go for it. So we already told you, we're going to go through this shit list, and we're going to get into it this week to finish up the next 25% of this round of 100. Coming in at number 230, released in 2016, it's Rihanna's latest album, Anti. Rolling Stone says, after dominating the top 40 for years, Rihanna wanted to make an ambitious album statement, brilliantly sustaining the tipsy two-in-the-morning vibe of this moody mid-career reinvention. Quote, I just gravitated toward the songs that were, the things I want to listen to, she said, the things that I want to smoke to. And on Anti, she recast pop as her own hazy playground, referencing Dido and hair metal, covering Tame Impala and merging dancehall and torch ballads. So she hasn't done a new album since then. Six years ago? Yeah. Wow. Yep. Yep. She married some crazy billionaire, moved back to the Bahamas, and now I'm pretty sure she's divorced from said crazy billionaire. And I do think that she might be making music again, which would be exciting because I fucking love her voice, dude. Love her voice. Yeah, she does have a good voice. Um, I've always been a fan of it as well, even before this. Not that I like follow her career too closely or am a such a huge fan of her music but yeah her voice is is unique yeah i mean 
everybody knows her voice though because she's had so many hit, hit she's had so many hits on her own and then she was also featured in so many massive radio smashes from like Jay-Z I want to say that she did she did work with Drake or she did tons of work with Drake and I she, think that she also did work with some of those death row guys um she did one with Eminem yeah. didn't she have a really really famous song with Eminem Yes. Yeah. Was it Toy Soldiers? Was that what Rihanna was on? No. No. I don't think so. I think it was on that same record, though. Maybe it wasn't on the same record. Who gives a fuck? She did. Yeah. She cut another feature with Eminem, and it was a massive hit. It's Love the Way You Lie. Oh, yes. Yeah, because then she released that on her own album on Loud. Yeah. She did, like, her own version of that on Loud. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But... Um, this album is really, really spectacular. I love this album so much. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a lot different than her other shit prior to that. I mean, it's not like clubby dance, dancey hits. Like it's not like a hit machine, like, like a lot of her previous stuff. Um, it's a little yep. more laid back, a little more like vibey R and B kind of stuff. Yes. You know? Yeah. It's very atmospheric. Right. Yeah. Because the whole record to me, the whole record to me sets like it all has a vibe. And the only time that that vibe gets broken up a little bit is like on work because work stands out, you know, like work does work might be like the danciest track on work, this work whole stands record. out as really shitty. Is that what you're going to say? <laughs> um, I don't like work. I definitely I don't. Know I don't like Drake. Like, I really don't like the Drake feature, but the song is catchy. <laughs> like, I don't like I Drake, do and find I don't myself singing. Well, yeah, dude. I mean, if someone just sings like the same word over and over again to different tunes, you're gonna find it a little <laughs> catchy. You know, like if they do it, they just ram that shit down your ear. Eventually, you're gonna find yourself singing along to it. <laughs> work, 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 work. <laughs> And you heard the, that's the whole song, people. Don't, you don't need to listen to it. That was it. <laughs> Plus, it, you avoided Drake Jeez. just now. <laughs> yeah, I think that song I mean, is shitty, listen. but I, I like the rest of the, the album. <laughs> I, I mean, like, I gave that song a couple stars just because it's really, really catchy. But standouts to me on here Consideration, the opening track with the SZA feature, like that, that fucking song rips. Um, it does. I love Desperado. Yep, Desperado was really cool. Um, I liked uh, I like Kiss It Better. That was a cool tune, like solid like guitar line that went with it, and uh, mm -hmm. good, really, really good production like throughout this entire album. And it stuck out on that song and on Consideration. Consideration was really, really cool. Interesting song yeah. for like the opener. Like it really set the tone for the album because it's like way more restrained and like not lower energy, but kind of lower energy than like nor normal stuff, you know, not lower intensity, but lower energy, you know, I don't, I don't even necessarily think that it's low energy. I think that it's just, it's a mood, yeah. you know, and like this whole, this record is a record that if you put this record on at a party, you're going to make the party feel different mm -hmm. and not in a bad way. You know what I mean? It's just, like everything's going to come down two levels. So if everything was at a 10 at this party and then you put this record on, everything's going to come down to like an eight or a seven and people are going to chill out a little bit and it'll just be mellow. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like she said at the very beginning, like 
she was making the music that she wanted to smoke to like yeah yeah it kind of makes sense yeah and that's that yeah because that's what this feels like to me and there's a um, lot of like she's obviously a like she loves smoking weed there's a lot of weed references throughout this entire album even on the very beginning you know yes yeah yeah james joint like the very second song. yeah she's like i'd rather be smoking I mean, weed <laughs> yeah it's definitely all over the place listen i loved kiss it better too i i put three stars next to there my favorite songs though were the tame impala cover which was same old mistakes yeah that was an extremely faithful um cover of kevin parker's og on um, i gave the og five stars this is almost flawlessly identical to <laughs> the original so i gave that one five stars too but but my favorite original rihanna song on this whole record was needed me and um and the only thing that I can tell you about that is like lyrically, if you listen to what she's saying, there's like two women on the planet that could sing that song and actually make it real. It's Rihanna and Beyonce. Mm. And that's it. <laughs> because basically the lyrics are like, fuck you. I was only with you because I wanted to be. And it's obvious because you needed me way more than I fucking needed you. <laughs> <laughs> I do appreciate that. Uh, yeah, that, that uh, notion, but uh, I don't know if I, I wasn't as into that song. Like I, I feel like what I wrote down on needed me was that she sounds kind of like the female version of Drake. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to say, but I, I like the lyrics yeah, a lot though. Cool. Yeah. Um, but I did give that song a star. I, I give that song a star. I like the hook on that one. And the, but I'll tell you, by far my favorite song on this album is Love on the Brain. I love Love on the Brain. Yeah. That was super good. So that was a five-star song for me. Like, I just love it. It, it. it has such a vintage, like, throwback feel. It sounds like, like you know, like 60s Stax Records kind of thing almost. And uh, love the love the, love the the chorus, love the hits, love the, the organ. I just love her vocals. I love that Wurlitzer. Yeah. Yeah. The Wurlitzer, the Wurlitzer on Love on the Brain is so, so fucking good. Yeah. So good. And then right after it with Higher, dude, that song is incredible too. Like she was really digging in vocally on that one. Um, probably like maybe her best vocal work on the whole album, in my opinion. Did you read anything about that song when they recorded that song? No. What's the deal with so- it? Apparently her and the producer had been sitting around drinking whiskey all night and they recorded that song. So they wrote it as they were drinking whiskey and they recorded that song at like two thirty, three o'clock in the morning. And she was fucking drunk when she recorded that song. Well, she killed it. That makes sense because her voice sounded way raspier, grittier, yes. dirtier than the rest of the album. So I want to I want to hear an entire album full of songs Rihanna recorded when she was wasted. Right. That's where I'm at too, because yeah. like the, the grit that she gets out of her voice and just the power that's in there, it is so fucking good on that. So yeah. good on higher. And I like how it was short and sweet. It was just, it was right to the point mm-hmm. and she just knocked it out of the park on that one. I loved it. Yeah. Close to you. Yep. Solid closer. I gave it a star. I like that. Good, good little ballad to close it off. I did the same. I gave it a star, but especially after love on the brain, because I gave Love on the Brain four stars. I gave higher three stars. And honestly, like I feel like I cheated higher at this point just because in talking about it, I want to go back and listen to it again now. Um, 
But yeah. dude, I I fucking littered this record with stars. I really really enjoyed it, but that got me thinking to the notion that this like this is literally an album that's been out for 5 years and we're calling it the 230th greatest album of all time. Like that seems maybe uncalled for. <laughs> I think it seems uncalled for. And honestly, if this record was 15 years old, I think I would say the same thing. Like, I think it's a really good record. It's, it's definitely Rihanna's probably best work, you know, at least that yeah. what, from what I've heard. Um, I agree. I don't even, I'm not even like against her being represented somewhere towards the bottom of the list is what I'm going to say. And I'm going to, I'm going to be kind of harsh with it. Like, I think that it probably is a 450 to 500 range for me. I think it's shocking how high this is. Hmm. And I like it. Like, I'm not talking shit about it. I don't think saying that it belongs on the list is talking shit about it, you know, (laughs) but, uh, like, no, 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 not at all. And I'm, I guess all I'm trying to think about is, um, like Rihanna as a performer, I think needs to be represented on this list, right? Which is exactly what you said, you know. So Rihanna needs an entry, and I, I think that this probably makes sense more than Good Girl Gone Bad because that's really just Good Girl Gone Bad is so bubblegum poppy, you know what I mean? And there's not a whole lot of variation in what's happening on that record. Like there's not a lot of exploration in anything. And I think the same thing happens with loud because loud is just kind of filled with club bangers. And I think that that's why this is probably the best choice for Rihanna is loud. The Which, one with, we found love. We found love in a hopeless place. I can look that up. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And it also has S and M on it. And S and M is one of my favorite Rihanna songs. Like love it, but, but it's super clubby and you just don't get, I like I like albums that take you on journeys and this is this is a super cool really chill journey that I loved taking. Yeah. And I, I this and is I've way taken better at least 8 times over Jesus. the past week and a half. Wow. Well, it's not a super long record. It's only yeah. like 40 minutes. Yeah, you can spin and it pretty so, fast. Yeah. I th- yeah, I th- I'm I think this is really good. I just think yeah, I'm I'm I think it's too high for sure but i like it and i think that if do there, you think that this is the highest i'm sorry no I'm sorry you go, do uh, you think that this is the highest ranked album released in the last five years if you would have like asked me what that was gonna be i wouldn't have guessed this but now that we're here I can't think of what else would be higher. I can't I, like I can't think of another one that would that would be this high, you know? Yes. And that's where I'm at too. I'm assuming that this has to be the highest ranked album that's been released in the last 5 years. And most of the other ones were way 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 lower. Um for me, I I've already looked into trying to buy the vinyl. <laughs> but that is also a $400 investment because I would love to have this on vinyl. Cause this to me, like the way that I've described it to you as a mood album, like this is a mood that I would love to set <laughs> like in my yeah. house when people are over and just hanging out, like this would be fucking super dope background music. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And so, um, and so I looked for it on vinyl, but it's like $400 <laughs> and I don't, 
it's not a four hundred dollar mood. Four hundred dollars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm going to hope for a repress, Rihanna. If you ever listen to this or an agent of Rihanna, please go ahead and repress that for me. Yeah. Um, or just send us a complimentary funky color. Not required. Yeah. yeah. But at 2.30, especially considering that, like, the last record we were going to talk about this week is Layla. Um, yeah. I mean, like, I wouldn't be upset if this was at 300 because I really, really liked it that much. And I was shocked <sighs> that I hadn't discovered this before this week but i'm glad that i did because well, well, i definitely added it to digital i'll find the vinyl yeah you know whenever we and hear I'm this okay with stuff keeping it really relatively high so let's be clear you are not anti-rihanna no but no, no do, way do you see what i did there yes <laughs> <laughs> i guess i am team anti <laughs> um <laughs> I just like I start running through all the albums that are lower than this, and like I start to think yeah. like, oh, this is, album is better than Tupac. You know, this album is better than Surrealistic Pillow by Jefferson Airplane. Not that it's a comparable genre or anything, but it's more important. It's a better album that it's two hundred places higher. You know, like it just yeah, it just starts to be like, nope, I don't think so. You know, yeah. But let's not forget, Juvenile does not belong higher than Jefferson Airplane. Yeah, so there's room for, there's room. <laughs> there's lots of room for improvement on this list when it comes to placement for some of those classics. For sure, for sure. Um, yeah, we don't have any Rex email for this for this week, so so no Rex thoughts. No. But we'll just move on. Rexy's been, Rexy's been busy. Been I'm busy sure he'll week. get back to us. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, let's, let's, let's move on. Let's move on. Oh, fun. Yeah. 229. We have Patsy Klein, the ultimate collection. Another anthology. We haven't had one of these in a while. I know. I thought we were done too. <laughs> With the anthologies. Her career was cut short when she died in a plane crash at 30, but Patsy Klein made her mark as one of country's great singers. Even though her style is considered country, her delivery is more like a classic pop singer. Lucinda Williams has noted. Her hits excuse me, walking after midnight and I fall to pieces also made it to the pop charts charts, establishing the template for country crossover that pointed the way forward for generations. Her version of crazy was a godsend to the songs struggling writer, a young Willie Nelson. Yeah, this, I mean this, she really is kind of all over the place. Like there's a lot on this that, is definitely country oriented, but it's close. Like there's, there's jazz elements on this. There's, there's like Island vibes on this. There's, there's all over the place on this. I will, I will die on this Hill. And I tried to have this argument um, in my office last week with Heather after I sat down and did my listening and my note taking on this record. And I'm going to die on the Hill that Patsy Cline was at definitely at, for at least a couple of years in her career, maybe like three or four years, the last three or four years of her career, she was actively being marketed to cross over into like white audiences and trying to maybe open up white audiences to like doo-wop type of music. And I will die on that fucking hill. <laughs> uh, you're not going to have to die. Cause I totally agree. Like there's a lot of like doo-wop elements here. There are several songs that are basically straight up doo-wop. I mean, yes, like yeah. that's not and a, I, 
Yeah. And and the crazy part is like when you were when you were listening to these because I'm assuming did you do Spotify for this? Yeah, because there's like a playlist on there. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So I did the same thing. When you get to the back half of this collection, right? Like disc two, if you were like holding the physical CD, did you pay any attention to those album covers that they pulled them from? Because uh, like because you know like some album covers for like early patsy klein when she was definitely being marketed as a country star she's wearing like the fucking tassel country western shirt she's got like the fucking rodeo bow tie fucking yeah. handkerchief tied around her neck and shit like that but when you look at like the later releases and especially the ones that decca put out she fucking looks like miss mazel or some shit. You know what I mean? Like she's wearing like super kind of modern type clothes. She's wearing high heels. She's not wearing fucking cowboy boots and she's got a Bob haircut. And yes, she's still Patsy Cline, but that to me was that to me was was smart executives recognizing that this woman was more than just a country artist, you know? Like she had a legitimately fucking amazing voice that you could throw just about any music behind and it would make magic because it did. I'm kind of looking at the album covers. Yeah. I see what you mean. Right. Um, she looks like fucking Mary Tyler Moore in some of those. Yeah. Yep. Um, and yeah, absolutely. I mean, her voice is certainly not limited to, to country by any means. No, no, not at all. And like, um, a great example of that back in baby, um, back in baby's arms. I love that song. So fucking much. I <laughs> love that song so much. And to be fair, every song, this because this is an anthology, I kind of thought about this the same way that I thought about that Merle Haggard anthology. And that is that there's a couple of songs that like stood out to me that I just gave an enormous number of stars to because they're ultimately classic songs. But every song in this collection is deserving of at least like two and a half, if not three stars, because yeah. they're exquisitely performed really well done for what they are you know which is like a two minute country western ballad or a fucking two minute country western little bluesy thing you know yeah i mean there are not too many tunes that i didn't put at least a star next to there are definitely some yeah. but it's like maybe i just wasn't uh maybe i should have put a star but yeah i mean there's the, like what about fooling around did you like that one um that's the 12th song yeah, that yeah, was super I thought fun. That, was that had more like, like pop music, though. It was straight up. Yeah, it was like it was like that was almost like borderline like reggae, like islandy kind of stuff. Like there were like this Jamaican steel drums or whatever those things are going yes. on for sure, and like a scratchy like reggae like guitar rhythm. I mean, there was not a reggae bass line, you know, which <laughs> kind of defines reggae. So like other than that, it was reggae. You know, like except for the fact yes. that it wasn't a reggae bass line. You know. <laughs> If only there would have been that dub bass player in the studio that day, they could have completed the sound. <laughs> but I loved that one. Go ahead. Well, I mean, and you have like the usual suspects of five stars, right? I fall to pieces walking after midnight. Um, I did give walking after midnight five stars. Like some of that stuff, like, like that song, for example, had like a really cool bluesy edge to it, you know? Mm -hmm. Super. Yeah. Crazy, also like love crazy. But yeah, the Willie Nelson tune. Um, yeah, I loved uh, Bill Bailey. Won't you please come home? <laughs> yep. 
Are you familiar yeah, with that song? Yeah, put two strings into that. Yeah. That, I mean, that's like a jazz standard, you know? So that that's not like, she, that's not her song. Um, but like she did a really, really solid version of it on this one. Um, that's yep. like an old tune, like written in the very early 1900s by some band leader guy. Uh, fun little fact, that, that, that song has been played by Fish six times. Stop. Bill Bailey, won't you please come home six times played? Look it up, Fishnet. <laughs> Those sons of bitches. Man, I can't believe I haven't caught that yet in all 17 shows. Now you're going to be chasing <laughs> Bill Bailey. Won't you please come home for the rest of your life when you <laughs> go to fish? Concerts. I know. I know. Kind of interesting little little detail, though. Um, I loved Blue Moon of Kentucky. That was one of my favorite ones in the back half. I mean, Crazy Arms yes. is great. Yeah. I mean, I will say... I think in like this, it's a little too much Patsy Cline to listen to straight at one after the other for me. Like I dig it yeah. all, but it's it's too much. We didn't need an anthology, you know. Nope. Yeah, yeah. We could have used like if you cut this, if you distill this down to the twelve to fourteen best songs on like a single on a single standard LP, that's that's the Patsy Cline that you should have had. And I do like the idea of getting the different parts of Patsy Cline's career, but like this is like a situation where I'd advocate for greatest hits, like rather than an anthology. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like yep. usually we're not into the greatest hits because, and really like I even kind of going against myself by saying that because I've made it clear that I don't like greatest hits because that's not what this list is. It's not the, you know, the best collection of hits it's the best albums and that's not really an album. An album is an art form, you know, and that's a bit, I guess you could argue that like a, a greatest hits is curated, you know, probably by the artist or hopefully with some involvement by them, you know, although that's definitely not always the case. Um, and you know, the other thing, the other thing that I would say, especially with Patsy Cline is because she died so early and she died so unexpectedly, they were actually like compiling those types of records in tribute to her concurrent with her life. And, and I guess maybe the point that I'm trying to make there is all too often greatest hits records come out like kind of after a group has been gone for a while or after an artist has been gone for a while, but the impact that Patsy Cline had was so tremendous that I think you could, I think that you could use one of those like immediate, or soon to be, you know, after she passed away compilations as, as like her kind of entry on this list. Yeah. As a, it's, it's still a greatest hits, you know, so it's still something that you have to kind of categorically hate and say that it doesn't belong on this list. But, you know, I would hate to put whatever record was originally released with like walking after midnight on it and the rest of that album sucks balls <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know no, I mean? exactly or, and that's what i'm saying greatest hits like, like i just had to put a footnote on it that generally i'm against greatest hits but this is a situation where i would advocate for it but not an anthology yeah you know <laughs> yep um i do I, I will say that man she should have got her shit together like love life wise she had a, a rough situation <laughs> love life wise she is there's some like borderline psychotic behavior coming from Patsy Cline on this album. She is real obsessed with this one guy and uh, she's got to get over that. <laughs> <laughs> so many of these songs are basically um, like, you can just do whatever the fuck you want. That's cool. I still love you. You know, 
Yes, exactly. Um, I did not add this to my digital collection, but I would like to find like what we were just talking about, kind of a Patsy Cline's greatest hits on vinyl, because I do think that she would be a fun, I think she would be a fun spin on a record player. Agree. Yep. Um, there's a couple songs that I'd love to, to have the vinyl with containing them for sure. And we've already kind of mentioned those, but yeah, I would love it too. You know, you know what would be fun is if they did like a record store day release of Patsy Cline's greatest hits, but on 45s. That would be fun. And I would pick that. He's kind of one of those artists that I might just be like, you know what? I'd really like to hear Crazy right now by Patsy Cline. And a 45 to pull out where you just have that one just song. Just have that song and a B side or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I like that idea too. Um, what do you want to do about placement of this since this is what we have? I think it's good. I don't really have a lot do to you? say about the placement. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it should be dropped down very much and I don't, but I don't really want it to go much higher, but I think this is, I think this is solid. I think that Patsy Klein, you know, was a hugely important person in country music, but not only country music, you know, as we've said. And, uh, yeah, I think this is a good spot for Patsy. What do you think? Yeah, I'm okay with that. I mean, I think anywhere between 200 and 250. Yeah. I think this is probably a pretty good placement for her. So kind of right smack dab in the middle of that. For sure. Yeah. Hooray. Cool. Shall we move on? Let's move on. All right. 228. Uh, released in 1991, De La Soul's album, De La Soul is Dead. The cover of De La Soul's second album, An Overturned Flower Pot of Dead Daisies, was, a, was as subtle as a sledgehammer. After the sunny three feet high and rising, the confrontationally pessimistic De La Soul is dead was a shock. Songs dealt with sexual assault. Millie pulled a pistol on Santa and drug abuse. My brother's a base head based on members. Um, pause. Pause. Brothers. Uh, crack addiction. <laughs> I'm glad you had to pronounce uh, yeah. that. Not me. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. But the fun wasn't totally over. See a roller skating jam named Saturdays. Damn. That song rips. Um, and producer Prince Paul gave the dense LP a sample delic flow. What say you about this gem from YouTube? Indeed from YouTube. Yeah. This one's for those that are curious about maybe trying to check this one out. It is unavailable on streaming categorically. Mm -hmm. So you're going to have to go to YouTube for this one. And I hope you have mm -hmm. YouTube premium because otherwise you are stuck with your phone on that screen. Like me. <laughs> is that you too? just like me? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, I dig it though. This is a, this is a really, really fun hip hop album. I love the, I love the guys voices. I love their verses. Um, the, the, all the skits are, are tons of fun. Like there are so many skits. This has to be one of the earlier examples of like this heavy, heavy, heavy number of skits, right? Like on a hip hop record. I don't know. What Maybe was, was that 1991? Yeah. I mean, NWA had been, no, no, no it wasn't it not? particularly new, but I like, I mean, not everybody that did skits did skits thematically like this. Yeah, and it's like the a fact that like, <laughs> it was a continuation of the same skit over and over again is what made this one so much fun. Yeah. So basically the skit is that some, 
some asshole beats up a child basically and steals the record that he finds <laughs> in the garbage pail. And then he and th- two other guys who he's also beating on, um, <laughs> listen to this and they don't like it. <laughs> That's the theme, right? <laughs> the the one guy <laughs> likes it, <laughs> but yeah, I guess like, I totally agree that it's kind of fun to keep revisiting that same little idea throughout it. It's, it's fun. I like it. Yeah. Yep. Um, tons and tons and tons of great beats. Yeah. Like really tons of fucking great bass lines all over this thing. Tons of good um, hooks. Like lots of really, really good hooks. Mm-hmm. Good sampling. What, what were some of the standouts for you? What were some of your favorite songs? I liked the Biddies in the BK Lounge. Big fan of that one. <laughs> I liked... um. The talking about Hey Love, like with the female vocals, that's like towards the beginning. Okay. Even Oodles of O's, solid, yep. solid little chorus on that one. A roller skating jam named Saturday. It says Saturday, Saturday. That was, that's great. I mean, I love that. That's a great song. Yeah. That was probably my favorite on the whole record. I like Biddy's in the BK Lounge in particular, where they're at the end, there's that like rap battle between him where he's working he's like working at bk and the chick who's coming in yeah like there are some like solid like uh rap you know disses in there at the end (laughs) i I was a big fan of that yes there are yeah 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 um how about you what were some of your favorites other than saturdays um oodles of o's stood out to me saturdays was definitely my favorite um who do you worship? I enjoyed. I liked Millie pulled a pistol on Santa and I like my brother's a base head. Um, Millie pulled clubs. a pistol on Santa was some heavy shit. I didn't like realize it. Till I was looking up the lyrics. Like that song's basically about a girl that was like molested by her father. And then she had enough. And her father was working yeah. as a Santa Claus at Macy's. And she went there to Macy's and shot him. Good. And shot him. Yeah. yeah. Yep. It was super fucking serious. It like was. it was. Like it was hardcore, but it was good though. I loved towards the end, I loved uh ring ring ring. That was really fun. Great hook chorus on that one. That's like yes. the twenty first track. There there's like twenty seven different separate tracks on this one, just for those who are wondering why we're having such a hard time finding these <laughs> Yeah, finding stuff. I mean, it's literally spread out over pages and pages. Yeah, same but, for me. Yeah, but it's all it's all really good. And yeah, ring, 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 ha ha, hey, yeah, it's good. I mean, this is a good record. What I'm what I struggled with with it was, I mean, a little bit on the placement, but at the same time, I feel like it's gotten this much love because this is definitely alt- like what would be if this record were released today, they would call it alternative hip hop. Yeah, it'd be like there with like Mad Villain, right? Um, I mean, yeah, probably, or like a Jurassic five, like very much the predecessors of like a J five. Well, J five wasn't much later than this, was it? Um, I mean, close to a decade. Was yeah, it really a decade after this? Jesus, I was. Thinking I mean, J five was nineties. They probably. I know they probably released their first record in maybe like the mid nineties, but. But I don't think. Well, yeah, maybe. interesting. Yeah. Either way, like I, I feel like is that the reason why 
Is that the reason why this record is so high? You think it's too high? Because this was... Yeah. I think yeah, it's too high, too. I do. Yeah. I don't know how... I don't know how much too high, though. Does that make sense? Yeah, I don't think it's, like, egregiously high. You know, but, I, I mean... I don't know. Do you think this album was, like, massively influential? I mean, like you just said, predecessor yes. to the J5 and to the, you think this yeah, kind of paved the way for alternative hip hop kind of stuff? Yeah. And I think that that's why it's got all the love that it has. I think and the, Jurassic five, their self-titled debut was released in 98. And oh, quality wow. control, which was my first J five record was released in 2000. That's way later than I thought. Um, I think yeah. I would probably put this between 300 and 350. Yeah. 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 I agree with you. And especially in the context that um, maybe not next week, but the week after, like we're getting ready to come up on um, Raekwon. I think Raekwon might be this coming week. And so when you listen to Raekwon and then when you compare and contrast Raekwon with this record, yeah, like they should not be as close as they are, in my opinion. Mm hmm. Yeah. And, I and I feel bad saying that because this record is a is a lot of fun. Like again, when this becomes available on streaming, I'm absolutely going to add it to my digital catalog. Like, do you think and this, if I can find a repress of the vinyl, I'd buy the vinyl too. I mean, I think yeah. So just other than Raekwon, I mean, I think that this shouldn't be higher than Liquid Swords. I'll say that. No. Yeah, yeah. I think Liquid Swords should be higher not. than this. I think that. Uh, Again, like my guy, I love Tupac. I think that All Eyes on Me should be higher than this. You know? Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would put Tupac, I would put All Eyes on Me higher on my list for sure. We still haven't had any if Biggie I were the yet. One making the list. Are we going to get two Biggie no, records we or have just had, one? Yeah, we're definitely getting two Biggie records because we haven't had Ready to Die, but we have had Life After Death. Mm mm. Mm-hmm. No way. We didn't have that yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, look it up. We I'm, have to have, right? No, I don't think so, dude. I mean You don't think so? I really don't. <laughs> I'm gonna look it up right now, but okay. I, like do you want me to tell you oh, man. if I read I'm sorry my... for spoiling you. Uh no, I'm it's sorry okay. for spoiling it for you. I just don't think we've had it yet. I no, yeah, okay. we haven't had it yet. Do you want to hear where it is? Jesus, yeah. 179. Mm. This is where life after death is. Okay. Wow. Yeah. That's even crazier to me that um, that All Eyes on Me is literally like hundreds and hundreds of places below life after death. Yeah. <laughs> Rolling Stone to took a position on the age old question, <laughs> you know? Yes, they did. Like <laughs> that's a firm stance on who was the better MC. And I like Biggie and I really like life after death, but dude, I mean, all eyes on me is fucking a stone cold classic son. Yeah. They're fucking I, that. I think they both are. I think they fucking probably right belong pretty close together. But like they, yeah, like I said, they are just taking a clear stance on that. They are not beating around the bush at all. They're like, well, let's not even put them a hundred apart. Let's put them like four hundred apart, almost. You know. So yeah, yeah. 
And honestly, dude, that's just for life after death because ready to die is going to be higher than that. Yeah. That's got to be top hundred, right? Ready to die is probably in, in the top 100. Yeah. Cause it's got juicy on it. It's got big Papa on it. Yeah. Get the fuck out of here. Like that record's going to be super, super fucking high for sure. <laughs> so clear statement is made. Exactly. That's all right. Fuck you. Rolling Stone. Yeah. <laughs> From yeah. all the fans of West Coast hip hop. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. So yeah. we're going to shuffle this thing around, but I still would love to find it on vinyl for the record. And I'll still add it to digital once it becomes available digital um, later this year because it's really good. This, like, probably, this would have to be a double vinyl, huh? You'd have to have two. Yeah. Yeah. Two platters on this sure. for sure. Yeah. So this is like an, an hour, 20 minutes or so. Yeah. I dig it though. I'm right there with you. I would get it on vinyl as well. So, okay. Um, moving on to 227. Second to last record of the week mm-hmm. is Little Richard. Tutti Fruity. The album is Here's Little Richard. I came from a family where my people didn't like rhythm and blues, said Little Richard told Rolling Stone in 1970. Bing Crosby, Pennies from Heaven, Ella Fitzgerald was all I heard. And I knew there was something that could be louder than that, but didn't know where to find it. And I found out it was me. <laughs> Richard's <laughs> raucous debut collected singles such as Good Golly Miss Molly, in which his rollicking boogie-woogie piano and falsetto scream ignited the unfettered possibilities of rock and roll. What'd you think of how much Mr. You, Richard? How much here? did you how much did you love this? <laughs> um I definitely liked it a lot. And uh like maybe I didn't realize how much I or just how important little Richard really was like big pioneer of rock and roll, you know, because the big thing, and I'm sure you probably read about this too, but I was like doing some listening and thinking, and I just totally agree. Like how important this is. Like, so a lot of this stuff is like swing 12 bar blues, you know, but over the top of it, he plays, he plays piano on like pretty much every track and over the top of it, he's playing these, even eighth notes, you know, rather than swing eighth notes. So he's playing like in the blues, maybe like dun 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 dun. He's doing this like yeah. Whether it's like triplet rhythm or e or just straight up eighth notes, but they're very straight, and they just provide the music with such like a driving rhythmic sense that is just like that is just so widespread these days. And, and, or and not maybe not even like these days, but like after this, you know, which is 1957 is when this came out. So yeah, and I mean, I was thinking I was gonna mention it when we were talking about Patsy Cline, but I decided to wait till now. Like even on some of the Patsy Cline songs, like it was interesting, list doing both of those in the same week because on some of the Patsy Cline songs you hear that you hear like the swing country, mm-hmm. but then you hear these even eighth notes, and you're like, basically, Little Richard was the first one to do that, so like they're directly influenced by him, you know? Um, yeah. So just really cool. Like, and vocally he's, he's solid. He was a hell of a front man. Exactly. That's what, that's what stood out to me. Like his vocals all over this thing are so spectacularly good. You know what I mean? Like he is the <clears throat> consummate performer when it comes to his vocal performances. Yeah. Because his piano was like really low in the mix in a lot of this mm-hmm. like there are some songs where you could barely make it out like you could only hear like little glimpses of it when he per- happened to hit it particularly hard and like 
a lot of the time it was it was a really weird mix on this album i don't know if it's just like a byproduct of the time or whatever um and just lower quality you know available recording equipment and technique and stuff but i mean it was a really weird mix well and if you go back and listen to it so this was basically a compilation record that they released in 1957 Right, of all of the stuff that he had been recording with like various different labels before that. And so if you listen to each song individually, you can definitely hear that they were recorded in different studios with different equipment and different um, different people behind the production different, of yeah. the recording. Different levels you know, because of it's, sophistication. Yeah. Yep. Like stark differences from one song to the next. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. There was only but one fucking, song. Go ahead. Oh, no, you go. Ahead. No, you go. Okay, I was gonna say there was only one song on this entire album that's not a twelve bar, not a twelve bar blues <laughs> structure, um, and it is "Can't Believe You Want to Leave." That's the only song. The rest of them are all rocking twelve bars. But uh, you know what? He <laughs> kills it on them. So I'm not complaining. That's not a complaint by any means. That's just how things were. You know. Like that was kind of how rock started was taking 12 bars and making them feel a little different, you know? Yep. Yeah. I mean, this, this to me has two, like two songs on this record are indelible in the DNA of rock and roll and every subgenre that ever came, that ever came thereafter. Tutti and those two songs are Tutti Fruity and Long Tall Sally. Yep. Yeah. Long Tall Sally, seventh one. Yeah, yep. Yep. I agree. That song fucking rips, dude. Both of those songs absolutely rip. And it is just, it. like I say, like when you listen to those songs, you can, that's, that's the genesis. Like that's the moment, right? That was God touching fucking Moses's hand in that one painting where rock and roll came to be. But dong was Chuck Berry after this? It had to be yes. around the same time, right? Because Chuck Berry was in the early 60s, right? No, he was 50s, I think. It had to be around the, around the same time. I feel like these guys were probably like basically contemporaries. Uh, I'm looking it up here when he was like started being active. Um Exactly. So yeah, he was active as of 53. 53, yeah. In terms of like when he so released his Little Richard, first... I think, was active in... I think technically Little Richard was 47 or 51, something like that. Wait, but, this is I mean, his... Either way, they're... This is Little Richard's debut album, right? <clears throat> no. No? No, because he had been recording for years before that. But, but debut full-length record, I mean. Yes, I do believe it was his first LP, but he had a fuck ton of singles that, because I think his first single was released in 1951. Okay, check this out. So both Chuck Berry and Little Richard released their debut LP in this same year, 1957. Kind of cool. Nice. Yeah. That is super fucking cool because Chuck Berry and it's fascinating because now we know unequivocally how Rolling Stone feels about Chuck Berry versus little Richard. Cause we're definitely going to get Chuck Berry on this list. 
Yeah, it's hard to beat Johnny B. Good, man. That had a <laughs> pretty big impact, you know. <laughs> I mean, it was in Back to the Future, dude. <laughs> yes, yeah. You know, you do have a point about good old Johnny. <laughs> yeah, uh, but Tutti Fruity, yeah, that's kind of like almost Tutti Fruity versus Johnny B. Good, you know. Yeah, although I would put, for me, I'd put Sally in that ring instead. Sally his B. Johnny vocal performance, yeah. His his vocal performance on Long Tall Sally is so <clears throat> it's so good, dude. It's so so good. So much of this happy hearing him. Yeah, so much of this has such crazy energy. I mean, it must have been crazy seeing him play live. He was probably just there's no that. way that yeah, there's no way that you're staying in your seat. Fuck, Fuck you no. right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, even on the back half of the record, like I loved um, Rip It Up and Jenny Jenny. Those were killer. Yes. You know? I had four stars next to Jenny Jenny and three next to Rip It Up. I had exactly the same starring. Yeah. And she's got it. I Like she's got it fucking ripped again, dude. I put three stars next to that one. I put two on that one. But yeah, I mean, and I love all like the, like you can tell it's it's all pretty much the same. You know, like a lot of these are very similar, it is. but that's, that's fine. That's mm-hmm. like, that's what it is. I love all the stops. You know, he has those like little, like, and then you're like, you know, and then he goes to like the next chord and it just kind of opens up, and, you know, um, yeah. Classic sound though. He really was one of the pioneers of it. I probably him and Chuck Berry, you know? Yeah, absolutely. But, but I, I guess I um, get why why Rolling Stone will put Chuck Berry higher. And that's probably just an influence thing because like when you asked me before I really studied this one, like who was like the pioneer of rock and roll, I would have pretty much said unequivocally Chuck Berry. But I mean, now I'm like, Oh, it's Chuck Berry and little Richard, you know? Yeah. Chuck Berry does have the advantage of being a guitar player and nobody these days associates piano with rock and roll. Yeah. Everybody associates guitar with rock and roll. That's a good point. So from that standpoint, you know, like the guitar player has to win out because, you know, nobody's like a fucking rock piano that player. fucking bro. piano was killing it, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Although it's true, though, like like both of you and I can respect the piano in, in a rock format. For oh, sure. fuck yeah, dude. Listen, yeah. I... I love a, I love keys in a band, and I love good piano players. But it's not what you associate. It's not what ninety five percent of people associate with rock and roll music. Yeah, no, absolutely. When you think rock, you think guitar. Just hands down. That's right. Know? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, what do you think but, about placement um, on this? Yeah, and that's that's where I was going. I um, I mean. I because because of the whole DNA thing that registers in my brain, um, I'd probably like to see it between 200 and 150 just out of respect, because I do think that this is. This is really, really important stuff, you know, when you think about impact of this music and and I want to say that when this list originally came out, it was at number 110. And I don't think we got to get that crazy, but I understand why they put it there originally. And I'm a little bit surprised that they bumped it down as low as they have. Dude, when this list came, when this one came out in 2003, this was number 50. Jesus. See again. And I understand, I understand why they're saying that, 
you know, from an impact standpoint, you can't, you like, you hear it, you know, this yeah. is like, this is foundational music for rock and roll. So I get why they would, I get why they would do that. That's a big drop though. From 50 yeah, to 226 or whatever this is, 227. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I'd at least like to see it get closer to 150, you know, just out of respect. I'm with you. Yeah, I think this is a 150 album, you know, 150, maybe even a little bit higher, maybe even closer to 100. Yeah. Yeah. We start, I wouldn't hate that. We're starting beef with uh, Chuck Berry. <laughs> It'll be really interesting to see what type of love they give Chuck Berry at this point. Um, if I find this on vinyl, I'll definitely pick it up because that was one thing that I was listening to it through the headphones is I think vinyl would kind of... Um, Again, on the digital copy, because the digital music is just like a little bit colder and a little bit harsher, you can hear how these a lot of these songs were recorded at different times, or at least to my ear, I can hear that. And I think a vinyl would take all that away. And so I think this would be a lot of fun to spin on vinyl. Yeah, I agree. I would do the same thing. This is sure. one I want to add to my collection for sure. Yep. Absolutely. Along with whichever Chuck me Berry too, album is on, is on here. <sighs> Shall we finish up this week? This will be a fun Let's record to talk about for a number of reasons. Okay, <laughs> lastly this week, number 226 from 1970, Derek and the Dominos album, Layla and Other Assorted Love Songs. Rolling Stone says, Eric Clapton was tired of stardom, so he formed a new band where he could just be another one of the lads. But there was no mistaking the blues guitar on Layla, as Clapton sang about falling in love with the wife of his best friend, George Harrison. The tortured love songs on Layla get a kick from guest Dwayne Allman, whose interplay with Clapton in Key to the Highway and Have You Ever Loved a Woman is both harmonious and fiercely competitive electric brotherly love. Definitely mm. the best part of the record, in my opinion, <clears throat> is Dwayne Allman. Yeah. Um, I think that's a question kind of worth asking, like right off the bat, because it was almost like kind of a happy accident that Dwayne Allman ended up on this record. Is this yes. record nearly as important or influential barring Dwayne Allman? Um, I don't think it's nearly as good. Therefore, probably not nearly as influential or as important. Yeah, I mean, I don't like, think it I would think have had as nearly as much of an impact without Dwayne. I think it would have had an impact but I don't think it would be revered the way that it is, you know? Yes. Yeah, exactly. And especially with what happened with Dwayne, you know, subsequent to all of this, I'm really sorry. The cat has <laughs> cats decided to come up and visit the show. Um, at any rate. Yeah. I think that, I think that that changes a lot, you know, and maybe they still call it, you know, Clapton's most important work or Clapton's best work or whatnot, but, um, you would lose, like you lose you would lose so much. I mean, you would lose so much without Dwayne Allman on here. You really would. <clears throat> and don't get me wrong, Clapton, while he is a prolific asshole, um, is uh, yeah, he's a he's a radical piece of human trash at this point. That's absolutely I mean, I true. I mean, just that. from a numerous different variety of angles, you know, there's like, lots of evidence pointing to his human trashdom. Yeah, he is undoubtedly a very good guitar player and um his 
his his lead plane is really really good. It's it like there's so much on this that it's like kind of uh, reinforces the guitar player trope that like tone is in the fingers because you know he's pl- like the the tone on this album from both of those guys is nuts all throughout it and there's something to be said for the fact that they're taking an old fucking Fender amp and cranking it to ten you know so that <laughs> that helps it sound really good but I mean. Like, you can't just do that, and you're not going to just sound like Eric Clapton, you know, just from doing that. Like, Tone is in the fingers, and he had some special, he has some special fingers, and Dwayne had some. And uh, despite him being a giant asshole, which I really feel that he is, uh, he was a fantastic, uh, he's a fantastic (laughs) guitar player. And he's a good songwriter. These songs are really good. So I was kind of trying to separate the guy from the art in my mind, which is, you know questionable whether you should do that or not i think but uh i think that i did here so yeah and for me um you know i think about the argument that i have with my wife all the time about michael jackson and so um i'm just gonna i'm just gonna say it like this record is both so impressively beautiful and so remarkably fucking creepy at the same time (laughs) that I think that it's, I think that it's genius. Like the way that Dwayne Allman plays the guitar versus the way that Eric Clapton played the guitar, like totally different, like the, as like worlds apart in terms of like tone and just style of play. But when you put them to, when you put the two together, it's, um, it's like peanut butter and Nutella. It's just fucking magic. It's like this magical, happy party, only it's in your ears instead of in your mouth, as it would be with peanut butter it and Nutella. It is like peanut butter and Nutella. Um, <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I love that uh, comparison. Now, now, the creepy fucking part about this record is exactly what Rolling Stone was talking about, and that is that all the way down to the album cover, like if you look at the woman's face on the cover of this record, and then look up pictures of Patty Boyd when Patty Boyd was married to George Harrison. Yeah, fuck you if that's not literally exactly what she fucking looked like. Like, it's so creepy how all the lyrics to all of these songs are basically about, like, forlorn. Some other guy's wife. Lost, love, yeah, or just, like, straight coveting another person's wife. And it is wow it's like so creepy but it's also beautiful um i looked away is a spectacularly gorgeous song bell bottom blues is one of my favorite songs on this entire record and that chorus on bell bottom blues is it's so spectacular like it's so spectacularly gorgeous oh yeah i wrote the exact same thing i wrote big giant big chorus um amazing chorus i love the key change on it great solo Mm -hmm. at the end um and I, was it? Is it just those first two songs that don't have Dwayne, or he's not on Keep on Growing either? I don't think he's not I on think, Keep on Growing. But that's a crime because if there was ever a song fuck that yeah. fucking needed Dwayne Almond on it, it's Keep on Growing. Indeed. Right? Case in point, like uh, you know, the Derek Trucks, Tudeshi Trucks band, they play that song and they kill it, man. And like, who is Derek Trucks if not like a evolution? of Dwayne Allman. You know what I mean? That's exactly um, right. Yep. Absolutely. And he is better. I will say <laughs> Derek trucks. Um, that, that yeah, Derek trucks is better. Derek trucks is like dog. the perfect example of like 
a solid evolution. Like he took what Dwayne Allman did and just improved upon it. But he absolutely but would me, not be where he was if it wasn't for that. Obviously, and he would and he would never yeah. say, say agree with me on that. But <laughs> you know, yeah. Because let's also be fair to Dwayne Allman. Fucking dude was twenty four when he died. Exactly. Like and, he was he was literally a tiny little baby. Yeah. That for how young he was, his plane was fucking godlike so, for yeah. his age and who knows what type of player he would have become if he doesn't fucking totally agree motorcycle accident. i'm yeah. going just purely based on like objective results you know what i mean but like yeah. yeah if you consider the circumstances like who knows what could have happened also plus like dude wrote the book on this shit you know like this kind of like yes. slide southern rock guitar he did that first you know what i mean he pioneered but it. how Yes, and at the same time, though, how fucking wild would it have been if Dwayne Allman doesn't die in the motorcycle crash and he lives and you get, like, a good solid decade of Derek Trucks and Dwayne Allman on the same stage fucking slide guitar battling each other to death. Oh, my God, it would have been crazy. It would have right? been nuts. Yep. That'd be fucking bonkers, dude. <laughs> That's amazing to even think about that. Look. Um, but I have a lot of stars on my page here. I mean, Bell Bottom Blues is a four star song for me. Could be five, might as well be. Keep on growing is yep. a five star song. I mean, no, yep. uh, the nobody knows you when you're down and out. That's a fun song. They have a fun like six eight version on that. It's almost like six eight like gospel take on that song, which that is not yep. a Clapton song. Um, for those who don't know, that's an old like early 1900s like vaudevillian tune. Yeah. Nobody knows you when you're down and out. I love the vocals like, on that one. It's just kind of like, pessimistic, but it is right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And there's this is one of like three or four covers that appear on this record. So not all of these, you know, not all of these are originals. And and really like the lyrical comment that I made earlier about how kind of fucked up and twisted a lot of these songs are. That's only the originals like that does not apply to any of the lyrics on like the blue standards that appear because there's there's quite a few of them. Key For to the sure. Highway is another one. Key to the Highway is a fun one to talk about. Did you read much into how that worked out? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Fuck yeah, I did. I mean, that's You'd crazy. Story, though. So yeah. basically they were in the studio and they heard another band recording a version of Key to the Highway, which is just a classic blues song. This like, I think it's like big bill brunzi originally or maybe he was the one that made it popular but it's old 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 like like deep entrenched in the like you know blues tradition song and uh they heard another band playing it and they're just like fuck it let's just jam on this they weren't they didn't intend to record this it's just clapton and Dwayne were like they just heard the song through the wall from another band playing it <laughs> and they said let's let's jam on it and they played it and then the producers were like turn that fucking recorded on right now and they started recording <laughs> it and uh it's like a 9 minute jam of just clapton and Dwayne and the rest of the band jamming together on this classic blues tune and it is incredible it's amazing it is and you and and even that story lives up to the hype because the beginning of the song the song doesn't start like the song literally fades in yeah and it just fades in to whatever point of the jam they were like okay turn fuck that it. fucking thing let's on. start it here yeah you know what i mean let's start it here and let's go so it is it's really really unique but I mean, it's nine minutes that I wasn't upset at all. 
at any of those nine minutes because it's fucking highly enjoyable. Dude, it's just like watching um, like two of the greatest guitar players that ever lived just like jamming together. And like the two yep. guys that don't usually like their worlds, they're pretty different worlds. I mean, Dwayne Amon is Southern Rock, Clapton is Blues. Like they definitely have intersections, but they're different styles, you know? So yeah. like it's, it's kind of interesting to hear them it's really interesting and and awesome actually i shouldn't say kind of interesting i mean it is way beyond that to 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 get a album of them basically jamming out you know it's it, that's what i yeah. love about this this whole thing um the cover of little wing i'm going to say i don't think we needed that i'm going to be honest like i i love that song it's an incredible song but i mean i don't really know what it really added and in fact the addition that that, that clapton added to the to that which is this little chord progression at the end of each chorus i don't really feel like it adds a lot to it and i think in fact maybe it does the opposite in my opinion like i think it just kind of muddies things up and kind of eludes it I, I, don't, I don't know why about, that was necessary are you talking about that part that goes bum 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 yes that's exactly the part i'm talking about it's exactly the part i'm talking about it's not in the original and it's basically just there because clapton was like we got to do something a little bit different you know and we got to add our own little personal taste to it you know but like just not necessary and hendrix's version is just so ridiculously better i mean despite the fact that this song has both of these guys on it so it's just like you didn't need to do that, you know. Didn't need to go on the record, my opinion. I um I completely agree with everything you just said. That part that they added to the song is dumb. It literally feels like the stupidest. Like, <laughs> yeah, I agree. Trumpeting like overture, and it's like Little Wing doesn't need an overture, asshole. You just need to play it with some element of feeling. Exactly. Which I think you get that. But when it gets interrupted with like the trumpet blasts of behold, little wing, <laughs> like it just, it fucking loses, like it loses everything. It's fucking terrible. Stupid. I completely agree with what you just said. Yeah. And it's just like, like I can just imagine Clapton being like, you know, I can just, yeah, you know what this part needs? <laughs> like, like you, you really didn't need to, you didn't. It just only Clapton could think that he could like add something to a Hendrix song, <laughs> you know. And he's like, you know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> fucking asshole. I like, I literally had, I kind of had these visions in my head of when he's trying to tell everybody else what he wants to do, like the first couple of times that they rehearsed that. Like he's on the guitar and he's looking at everybody, and some people are just playing like, bum bum, and he's like, no, 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 dude. It's like this. It's like. Bum, 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 ba, 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 ba. And like they're all just kind of fucking it up on the wrong beat. And he and Clapton gets pissed. He would that get probably pissed. never happened, but I want to. I don't know. I can see it happen. that it did happen. But yeah, <laughs> so we could go without go without Little Wing on this one, um, which kind of got me thinking. We haven't had yeah. any Hendrix yet, right? No, dude. We have we have at least nope. like three right coming up. That are you experienced Axis and Electric Ladyland? At least. I feel like we have Band of Gypsies those. too. Oh fuck. No. No, now we had did we have Band of Gypsies? Fuck no, we didn't have Band of Gypsies. Okay. Maybe is that a snub? That would be Band of Gypsies a might be a snub. Fucking egregious snub. That would be like above animals. 
and uh, you know, for me, that would be the craziest snub if they didn't put Band of Gypsies on this album. Which Band of Gypsies is like, yeah, I mean that would be so crazy f- to me if they didn't put Band. Are you looking it up? Yeah, I'm sorry. Dude, I'm gonna be so mad if that if that's not on here. It better be on here. You put Rihanna Anti on here, but not Band of Gypsies. Hmm. I don't want to dig through this. Um, okay. It's not in the very first paragraph on Wikipedia, which doesn't bode well. Or it's just <laughs> obvious normally- that it's in there, so they decided not to put it in there. They're like, obviously, everybody knows that this is number one on the list. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be honest, that flies in the face of everything I've experienced thus far, but we can pretend like that's a real thing. Dude, that is um, going to be a crazy snub. We have to do an entire episode devoted to just Band of Gypsies that's like four hours long. If, if, listen, I'm sure that it's on here. I'm sure that it's on here and there's just an oversight with whoever did that Wikipedia page. Somebody please address that. Um, why does love got to be so sad? What would you think about that guy? I dig that. I like that one a lot. Solid chorus. I love the, why does love got to be so sad? You like that one? Yep, love it too. Yeah. Awesome, like solo trading off on it, going between them. Um, Yeah, I'm trying to think which other ones. I mean, Layla, obviously. Layla's an incredible song. It's, it's absolute, listen, it's, I think it's probably Clapton's masterpiece, right? Like it has to be considered Clapton's masterpiece. The sad part about that is like my favorite part of that song is the last half of that song that wasn't written by Clapton. It was written by Bobby Whitlock and Bobby Whitlock was going to use that on a subsequent solo album that he was working on. But apparently Clapton was like, no, 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 dude, I, um, we need to go ahead and use that on this song. The instrumental <laughs> part. Yes. Yeah. It's a beautiful yep. song. Um, but I, I, I kind of like that it, that it became part of Layla. It's a cool, like, multi-suite song. Oh, no, I do, too. Like, Layla would be, Layla would literally not be nearly, Layla would not be nearly as good of a song if that back half is not on there, and if you don't get that piano, and if you don't get Duane over the top of it. It's not, it's not, it's a fucking fraction of the song. Although the front half is great, too. I mean, like, the, I love the, like, the chorus and how it changes. It goes, like, I think it goes a half step up or down when it goes to the verse it changes keys for mm-hmm. sure um yep worth mentioning is the fact that clapton had two chart topping versions of this song which is kind of crazy like this song was a chart really? topper for him twice yeah like this version and then the acoustic unplugged version was also like a platinum chart topper and that thing is a wildly oh. different version even though that's a live version like yeah it was cut on Clapton Unplugged, which Dude, I, Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I completely forgot about that fucking Clapton Unplugged with that Layla. You got me on my knees, Layla. Yeah. It's a really cool version. It's a slink yeah, it's a slinky version of that song, dude. It's really it's good. I'm honestly surprised, and I would say probably at this point, since we had this one, that it's not on here. I'm surprised. Clapton Unplugged is not on here. We had Nirvana Unplugged. I'm really surprised that Clapton Unplugged is not on here on the list. I think that's as much as I'm talking about how much of a dick Clapton is, which he is. 
that would be a snub if that's not on here. Um, prepare to be snubbed because yeah. it's definitely not going to be higher than I definitely don't think it's higher than this. This to me, outside of maybe Disraeli Gears, which we haven't seen Disraeli Gears yet, and we're definitely going to get that record. No, fuck, I, dude, I don't know what we, we've seen and what we haven't seen, but um, this has to be. I think in a lot of ways, this is this is the highest Clapton piece that we get. We have not seen Disraeli Gears. Like, and I would be shocked if we did not get Disraeli Gears. Okay, then that's and and I could understand why that would be placed higher than this, but I don't know. Depending on how high it is, maybe I'd want to flip flop these. I really do love this record. As detestable of a of a human being as Eric Clapton is, I also really love Thriller. So when we get to Thriller, we can talk about the fact that Michael Jackson was gross and did terrible things, but. I love Thriller too. Like I can separate the art from the monster and I love this record a lot. Like honestly, I would move it up and I would move it. I'd probably move it up significantly. Mm -hmm. How high? Probably between 150 and 100 at least. Yeah, I could see that. It's a special record. And most of it. Yeah. And I will admit most of it is just because of how all of these people came together. Like this to me is lightning in a bottle and this is capturing magic of a moment in time. It absolutely is lightning about it. And just hearing, like, reading about how this happened, like, basically, this was not a planned thing, you know, for Dwayne to be mm -hmm. on there. It was essentially um, Eric Clapton showed up at a Dwayne, like, an Allman Brothers band show. And they were and in the Allman front. Brothers. Yep. They were at the front. They were, like, in front of the barricade. And I, 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 you probably read the same thing, but, like, uh, Dwayne looked down at uh and saw eric and just basically stopped playing because he like was dumb struck you know and then <laughs> dickie betts kind of did the same thing he tried to take he took over for a minute and then when he realized who was down in the pit too he like you know also was shocked and just stopped playing <laughs> dumb struck and then and then you know Dwayne said that he'd love he heard that clapton was recording and he he you know basically told his people to tell clapton's people that he'd love to stop by and just listen in on the recording and Eric was like, Fuck that, come play. And he showed yeah. up and he ended up playing on almost most of the tracks on the album except for the first three. Yeah. And the only and I very genuinely think that the only reason why he didn't play on those first three is because they'd already cut those. They'd, first already, three. they'd already cut them, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. They'd already cut them and and it sounded to me like based on the stuff that I had read, like the quotations from Bobby Whitlock, it sounded like Bobby was a little bit bitter about Dwayne just kind of showing up and being on the record after all of those guys, because most of the songs were written by Bobby and Eric Clapton. And yeah. so I, I get the feeling that there was a little bit of jealousy that took place. Um, you know, once Dwayne like popped in and well, fuck off, Bobby, so, you're not Dwayne Allman. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm really sorry, Bobby, but like, you're not Dwayne Allman, but, um, just fucking magic, like magic in a bottle. And this is, this is the, this is what happens when really great players get together, you know? Yeah. And, and I do love that as despicable as, as, as fucking Eric Clapton is. And as sad as losing Dwayne Allman was, yep. you know, and luckily we haven't seen the last of Dwayne Allman because we still have not seen live at the Fillmore East. And hopefully or, or we don't see peach. that one for a while yet. I don't think, do you think, do you think we get more than one Almond Brothers band at this point? Cause I don't. 
I think we only get live at the Fillmore East. Over eat a peach. Yes. Mm. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I, it'll I, be interesting. I think it's definitely a little up in the air. Well, we fucking better get at least one of them. We'll definitely Bastard. get at least one of them. Yeah. Cool. So should we should we preview the banger that is going to be next week? Let's do it. Yes. This will be the second time we've previewed this. We've previewed this a second time. I got time, so yeah. excited that I, I forced us to preview it last week, too. And we're going to okay, meet, so me and Mike are going to meet uh, this weekend and do a separate five minute episode that just previews next week again. So it'll be the yes. third preview. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Just in case anybody missed the last two. Yeah. Okay. So, first album up next week, we're going to be talking about is number 225. It's um, Wilco's release from 2001 Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. 224, we have Dixie Chicks Fly. I got a, I got a cold listen, that guy. Um, after that, number 223, John Lennon, Imagine. 222 is Madonna's Ray of Light, our second entry on the list from Madonna. And lastly, next week, uh, the debut album from Rage Against the Machine, self-titled Rage Against the Machine. Holy Jesus. Fuck Man. yeah. And fucking flame. That, flame, 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 gas, gas, gas. That is pretty exciting for sure. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. good stuff coming up next week, guys. Tune in, and thanks again for tuning in tonight. We appreciate it, as always. Or not tonight, whenever you're listening. Maybe it's tomorrow morning. Who knows where you are in the future? If it's this weekend, I hope that you're having a great weekend. <laughs> if it's tomorrow, I hope you're having a good Thursday. If it's tomorrow, it yeah, Thursday I hope tomorrow? it's a good Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> what cool. whatever day you're listening to this, make it a good one. And thanks for listening. As my um, assistant principal said over the intercom every day in my school, make it a great day or not. The choice is yours. <laughs> it's a true story. This sucks. This sucks. This sucks. This list sucks. It sucks. Ha, ha, ha.